keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host this week, Robert Karpolis. Dan is currently on a plane. He is on the wing of a plane terrorizing William Shatner. Uh, but I am joined by Sergeant Slaughterhouse himself, Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? What's up? What's up? want to start this episode by thanking everyone. Last week's episode of Wrestle Rose, the most listened to episode in Wrestle Rose history. Surprisingly, not the Dracula roast, uh, but actually Nick Hausman coming on talking about CM Punk and uh, all of the, the nonsense that was going on there. So for those of you who listened last week for your first time and you're back for week two, welcome back. Uh, those of you who missed uh, the, the roast stuff, Hey, we're we're back. Uh, we're back. True to form. Uh, true to form today. Even if it's just Scott and I, it's that thing where you grew up and you had a best friend, and he had another friend, and you guys never hung out, just like you and him. But like the best friend was sick, and you're just kind of like stuck in the situation. It's Scott and I here today. So you excited, Scott? What up? Yeah, man. I mean, and it's the Bucks episode. It's like who's gonna stop us from uh, breaking our laptops in half? <laughs> exactly uh i know you guys were you're listening to this you were confused you were expecting to hear dogs barking or dan talking about a snowball microphone for eight minutes uh don't worry dan has recorded jokes they will be inserted into the show at some point uh zach will plug them in uh so we'll we'll pause for a moment when we get to that point but at the top let's get a little business out of the way uh, we've got the uh, the Patreon. Again, if you're new to the show, best value in wrestling Patreon history uh, outside of the Mandy Rose pictures uh, or the fact that I guess she'll rate your dick for a certain amount of money, which is appealing to certain people. 50 but bucks, I think. It's 50 bucks. And to my knowledge, she does not use the Scotty Meltzer flaming bowling pin uh, ratings, which is unfortunate. So, you know, maybe we'll set it up where Mike Lawrence can rate your dick for like five bucks and he'll use that. Like, yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, yeah, but, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll give us he'll give a Simpsons reference to your dick. He'll like he'll say which character it most resembles, either <laughs> Lenny or Carl. Um, but uh, yeah, so for the Patreon, we do one extra roast a month. We just did the roast this past weekend, the roast of The Undertaker which was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking Survivor Series 95, and then the week after, some serial killer luchador bullshit that Dan found. That's going to wind up being a hell of a fun show. That Dan uh, found and inspired. Yes, uh, it. he found it on Pornhub, and he's excited to talk about it uh, here on the show. Uh, at the $10 tier, something sports entertainment with, I break down Monday Night Raw while I have a breakdown talking about Monday Night Raw, and then Dan is going to review an in-your-house while alone in his house. Uh, I think that's all the uh, the housekeeping we got to do. We Anything else I'm forgetting at the top of the show, Scott? Mm, 
No, I mean, yeah, fun episode last week. Uh, nobody really uh credited us in a way that made me feel good. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I wanted more credit. Is that a way to say it? Wait, how do I how do I phrase this? Uh, me, 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 me. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I think that's what I mean deep down. But uh, damn, I feel like Cody responded to uh, a a thing that I personally believe someone asked him because of something Nick said on our podcast, and Cody said that him, the Bucks, and Omega are very good. I don't think he mentioned Khan at all, right? Oh, he mentioned Punk. He said him and Punk are good as well, but he did not mention Khan. Uh, you know, that's something that our episode last week is responsible for. It is also hard to want to take credit for something that I didn't know was going to happen. I was sitting there hanging out thinking Nick wasn't going to say shit. And then he was like, Colt Cabana is scum. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a, a little bit of a, a fluff piece of, Oh, after the, the scrum, we all got to have some pastries from uh punk's box. And uh, it, it wound up uh, being, I never thought we'd be the hard hitting breaking uh, news show but it's kind of like look when kennedy got shot you know it's the zapruder film so we want like the the credit of wrestle rose for the implosion of this whole cm punk thing and uh all the fallout but then like the next day is when jericho came out with the whole you know punk's a cancer in the locker room kind of kind of thing so this punk storyline constantly evolving and I, for one, think he's going to do great in the Royal Rumble this year. Super excited <laughs> about that. Uh, but more excited that we're talking the Young Bucks. This is uh, our first roast in November. I know coming up in a few weeks, we're going to be roasting Tony Khan, a very AEW heavy uh, roast schedule this month. But uh, the Young Bucks, I mean, Scott, you got to be uh, you got to be pumped about that. So, again, for those of you who are new, I don't know why I keep saying for those of you who are new, like, I, I, there's just like throngs of people who heard last week and like, fuck, I got to make this part of my, my weekly schedule. And you do. Uh, we started every roast with uh, the bright side. We, we talk about the, the person or people we're going to be roasting, saying nice, positive, uh, warm things that occasionally wind up veering into mean, awful things and have to remind ourselves like, no, no, this is the bright side. Shouldn't be too hard for Scotty this week. Scott, Young Bucks, let's hear the bright side. Yeah, I mean, definite disclaimer, just because we had Nick on last week doesn't mean we're shitting on the Bucks this week because we uh, we feel the same way about them as he does. Um, no, we're but, shitting on them for completely different reasons. Uh, I mean, the Bucks are the reason I do this podcast, probably. The Bucks and Kenny, I don't think I would be doing this if AW wasn't a thing, and I wouldn't even have known AEW was happening if I wasn't into New Japan and Ring of Honor because of the Young Bucks and Kenny. Uh, I did not know to watch New Japan before a Young Bucks match was happening uh, in New Japan. I, I can't lie. I'm, I'm, I'm not as privy uh, as, you know, I, I wasn't watching Tanahashi matches when those guys weren't around. It was the Omega and Okada match. And then what followed that was... Uh, amazing bucks matches in new japan ring of honor and on the indies with this this show that they like gave you access into their lives every week being the elite which is not funny but it's funny to them i guess and more than funny though it it was a way to get access into the independence like i've never seen before 
uh, you know, it, like, and it was the opposite of Beyond the Mat, where it was just three guys traveling, running into other happy, friendly wrestlers who wanted to have fun and wanted to make good wrestling shows and content. And you, you watch them go from gig to gig and just kill it. And I mean, it became like, like a Beatles mania for a minute on a very small level because wrestling doesn't mean shit at all. But, you know, they blew up to the point where they got clothes in Hot Topic. Uh, they got pop, you know, the, what are those called? Funko Pops. Funko Pops, yeah. Uh, and that wasn't New Japan making that happen. That was the Bucks making that happen and making Bullet Club really pop. Like, yes, Prince Devitt Finn Balor made the Bullet Club. Uh, I was not watching New Japan when that was happening, so my money wasn't going towards it when that was happening. It was the Bucks and Kenny and Marty Skrull um, and Hangman, you know, a, a little after that. But, man, it's just the Bucks. They're like merch sellers. Pro Wrestling Tees went crazy for them. Every week they had a new shirt that referenced something they did the week prior and it just became episodic wrestling, even though they didn't have episodic TV. And it 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 got the attention of a rich kid. And now they have this company that feeds a lot of wrestling families and wrestlers. And uh, same with New Japan, uh, in that more eyes are on it than ever because of them. Yada, yada, yada. Also, just amazing in the ring. I think they are not just a blast in the ring, but I do think they're really good storytellers. And I think they are, um, they've inspired a lot of guys uh, in the way they wrestle. Not just tags, but singles. That's All right. it. All right. Pa bright side of the Young Bucks. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this. I promise I can do this. All right. So I think the Young Bucks uh, are very much a postmodern meta tag team. They They could have coasted on being the rockers on being the Hardy boys. And instead they took a very winking approach to, to pro wrestling. They made it uh, funny, but at the same time they could deliver and back up what they were doing in the ring. And it was funny from the sense of they're not mocking pro wrestling and mocking you for liking pro wrestling. It's very inclusive. It's we're going to make jokes about Dave Meltzer and then name a finishing move after him because we just love Meltzer and, and we love talking about him. Uh, the the problem with the Bucks uh, for a lot of it is most of the good work that they did is in PWG or Ring of Honor or New Japan. So for a very casual fan, they've only been exposed to the Young Bucks since probably 2019. So they've missed a lot of the great work that the Bucks have done. And I think some of their matches in AEW have been fantastic. Some of their matches have been a little hit and miss, but some of the stuff they did with Lucha Bros, I thought was really, really fantastic. They they haven't really found a great storytelling groove within AEW, but when they turn it on in the ring and they want to deliver, that is worth tuning in every week to Dynamite or especially on pay-per-views. They know like that's where our bread is buttered. Uh, they they were instrumental in that whole merchandise push. We talked about before, like Colt Cabana is who got, uh, you know, pro wrestling tees over at first. But it was the Young Bucks that were constantly churning out 
merchandise, not just Bullet Club merch, but those Young Bucks shirts. And it was constantly refreshed and it was cool for a certain sect of people to wear Young Bucks stuck in the same way that during the Attitude Era, it was you saw people wearing Austin shirts or DX shirts or the NWO, and they didn't necessarily know exactly what those were. Uh, their legacy as wrestlers, I think, will always be overshadowed in that their legacy is going to be as founders of AEW, as guys who saw a deficiency that existed in the industry. And rather than a lot of wrestlers who like to sit back and complain about what's wrong with wrestling and not do anything, they put their money where their mouth was. They went out there that them and Kenny and Cody got together with Tony Khan and they built the first viable number two promotion since Ted Turner's WCW went under. And they have been very successful as essentially a startup over the last few years. I mean, you look at that very first pay-per-view event that they did that was literally just because Melcher said, you can't fill 10,000 people in an arena for an independent show. And they're like, all right, we're going to go out and do that. And they did. And you can't take that piece away from them. And they also know, look, your wrestling career is finite as an executive, as someone who's building something, there's longevity in it. And we may see the bucks as part of wrestling for the next 30, 40, 50 years. And I think that um, more than anything else is a bright side for them. They've shown that path forward that it's not just the in-ring product, but it's being able to build something that's sustainable. I did it. I said positive things about the young bucks and I meant it. That was, uh, that was tough. Um, should we have Dan's stuff go at the front or you want to stick his at the back? Oh, let's throw him in the back. Right. Yeah, it's, that's, that's fine with me. Uh, you want to, you want to go know, first? Another no. thing about the bucks. It's like uh, DX got like getting a bullet club t-shirt over, uh, during a time where every two weeks schools are getting shot up. I mean, that's like, like DX didn't have to get suck it over when there was like a, uh, you know, people running into schools, blowing everybody. Well, there was still Mary you know Kay I mean? Letourneau. Like there was, <laughs> there was Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> well, no, DX was good in that they got people like in the heartland to buy this shirt for their kids, not knowing that it's a blowjob reference. It's like Bullet Club's a little bit more, you know, on the nose. Like, all right, this could feel like uh, a school shootery kind of theme. Uh, and actually, someone had messaged on the uh, on the Facebook group. They were at the show, the the show in Vegas. And they're like, I'm walking around wearing a Bullet Club shirt and people are giving me like funny looks like, you know, yeah, what, what are you trying to do? I, yeah. I can understand that. And they pivoted to Young Buck stuff and they they got themselves over. And not only do they get the Bullet Club over, but the whole thing with the elite. I think that whole storyline is another storyline that's unfortunate that it happened in new Japan. So not as many people saw it, but them, you know, kicking AJ out of the bull club, then forming the elite and building on it. They were able to tell subtle storytelling in a way where the majority of the audience didn't get a chance to enjoy it. And I've always had that criticism of NXT where by the time guys have come up to WWE, we saw Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn have their split. We saw Robert Roode's character evolve or Nakamura. Like we got the best of them before they came to a big platform in a lot of ways, we got the best of the bucks before they made it to AEW and they have not had an AEW storyline yet. That is as compelling as the bullet club elite. I, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think they have had the, 
it feels like they had, and not just because of this suspension, but it feels like, like most AEW acts, it's, you know, three weeks on, four weeks off or something. It, it There is like that constant wave of like, oh, the Bucks are here and it's great and the Bucks aren't. Um, the pay-per-view matches, you know, match of the year, in my opinion, when it was them versus Kenny and Hangman. Yeah. Uh, and then match of the year and a lot of other, I think what Meltzer, I, I don't know what that means, but Meltzer's opinion when it came to them versus Penta and Phoenix in the cage. So they do have like match of the year candidates, but other than the hangman Kenny story and the FTR story, which they were telling and then seemed to have stopped when it either got, got real, real, you know, because again, FTR, like the name FTR comes from the young bucks on being the elite saying fuck the revival along with Cody, you know? Uh, so whenever that went from work to shoot, uh, that was a good story too, but you're right. It's, like most things in AEW, amazing match, maybe two great storylines out of its entire existence. That's like most guys on their roster, it feels well, they like. They were also very selfless, and I think that hurt them, too. It's well, like I think they those were guys worried, Kenny, right? They were, yeah. yeah, yeah. They wanted to spotlight other people over them, and that's one of the problems you have when you have active wrestlers who are bookers or VPs or whatever that is, decision makers. They don't want to make it seem like, you know, we're, we're being jammed down your throats, but most people were tuning in to see the Bucks and to see Kenny and they were a little, you know, more reticent about it than otherwise to their detriment. Like they, they have not had full exposure the way they did. And then I know that there were some injuries during their AEW run as well, but uh, mm-hmm. all right, that's way too much nice stuff about them. Let's uh, let's tear these guys up. Scott, <laughs> I will have you, uh, you start. All right. Hold on. Let me just get them, uh, get them ready. I'm going to be jumping around a lot. Um, Kind of like the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The Young Bucks. Uh, they look like if Pauly Shore was twins. <laughs> They're like if the Usos, if instead of D if instead of DUI, they WWYD. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Money shoots out of cannons when they make their entrance to represent that yes, money is being wasted. <laughs> Uh, Young Bucks are the only people who have Jim Cornette complaining about a double team going too long. <laughs> it just ain't right. The Young Bucks are like every veteran wrestler in that they have buried cash. <laughs> cash, wheelers, and FTR. Like Sonny, they didn't agree with where the roads was taking them. <laughs> uh, they hit Punk's dog because they thought it was his wife. Hey, you might. <laughs> Jeez, the Bucks are so violent, you'd think they were the executive vice presidents of the Selena fan club. <laughs> okay, there we go. Great callback. Yeah, I got, got that out of the way. All right, now I got to jump around a little. Uh, young Bucks, they're like the Hardys if falling off ladders didn't lead to falling off wagons. <laughs> uh, Nick's hairline goes so far back, it met Nick Bockwinkle. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> Bachwinkle's a funny word. Uh, so dumb. Uh, all the guys who complain about them doing flippy shit have shitty flips. Uh, um, hold on. I feel like I called on you for a book report that you didn't do. 
like the Rockers, they've mastered the hot tag. Uh, now a hot tag. Now to Janetti, a hot tag is any piece of clothing he steals with the tag still on it. They're like if Shawn Michaels was born first Christian. Uh, uh, Cornette hates them because they can fit his wife's titty tassels around their waists. They're like if the click couldn't find the clit. <laughs> All right, I'll end on that. And if oh no, wait, ready, ready. Young Bucks is what Jerry Lawler calls Jeffrey Dollars. Boom. And finally, before the Young Bucks, New Japan was just something I called the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, kids love geography jokes. All right. Uh, the roast of the young bucks. Jesus Christ, these guys suck, said Jesus Christ. <laughs> the young bucks broke out in pro wrestling gorilla. Pro wrestling gorilla is also what Jim Ross calls Mark Henry. <laughs> the young bucks are what happened if the Hardy Boys snorted communion wafers instead of cocaine. Jim Cornette hates the young bucks so much that they can only get hand jobs from his wife. <laughs> the young bucks are less a tag team and more a Pat Patterson fever dream come to life. <laughs> Their finishing move is the Meltzer driver. Meltzer driver is also what Dan calls his penis. <laughs> the young bucks are what happens when kids grow up only seeing TV PG degeneration X. <laughs> The Young Bucks are the Rock and Roll Express for people who are not allowed to listen to rock and roll. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds real. That feels real. The Young Bucks are EVPs in AEW, which is Tony Khan's way of contractually obligating them to attend his birthday party. <laughs> Growing up, the Bucks started a wrestling promotion called High Risk Wrestling, and then years later wrestled in TNA, which is also known as Low Interest Wrestling. <laughs> In TNA, they went by the name Generation Me, while their fellow Bullet Club member Marty Skull was part of Generation Me Too. <laughs> Fucks children. Uh, Matt Jackson's nickname was Mr. Instant Replay, mainly because he does the same move over and over and over and over. And this is awesome over and over. The Young Bucks got Bullet Club shirts into Hot Topic a store populated by moody teenage girls who could easily beat the fuck out of the Young Bucks. <laughs> Speaking of shitty fighting, the Young Bucks are brilliant businessmen who decided to turn a feud with CM Punk into a suspension instead of a profit. <laughs> it's those sort of terrible economic decisions that would have made them terrible target managers. But even with their shitty inability to figure out how finances work, they know how to be elite. When it comes to saving money on mortgages with SaveWithConrad.com. <laughs> SaveWithConrad.com. Because in 30 years, your mortgage will be gone like AEW and Conrad's foot. All right. That's, uh, that's it for me. And now we're going to pivot to the one, the only, Dan St. Germain on location with his Young Buck jokes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Dan St. Germain. I am adding my jokes to this week's episode of Russell Roasts. I had food poisoning last night, so I missed my show in Houston. Everybody who was supposed to go to my Houston show, I'm really sorry. I, I plan on being at the Lafayette show and the Mandeville show. 
on Saturday, I took a later flight. Today, I still kind of feel like shit, but when I got to fucking do a three-hour drive to goddamn Lafayette um, when I get to Houston. So still going to be kind of a hellish day. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there because we are talking about the Young Bucks. I'm just going to briefly give my bright side and then I'll... Uh, I'll roast him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know every time I've seen him live, I've seen him against Rapongi Vice and and the Lucha Bros, and um, and both were awesome. Both fights were awesome. So, you know, I've seen him in another match too. I think at the first Grand Slam, but I don't really remember it that much. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I've loved their matches with the Golden Lovers, Hangman and Kenny, Lucha Bros in a Cage. I mean, I'm sure that Scott and Dan, I mean, Robert, Jesus Christ, went through their kayfabe accomplishments, but they basically won every tag title besides the WWE tag titles that you could win and won all sorts of wrestling observers. And I mean, most importantly, they changed the wrestling business forever, and that's very hard and even harder as a tag team to do that. Um, And I mean, as far as being on top, I mean, people bitch about, you know, them burying people and being political but i don't know they don't seem any worse than any other group that's been on top maybe a little better i don't know i'm not backstage i don't think we're gonna know that story until the AEW book is written which hopefully won't be happening soon but they did bring back jeff jarrett some but they may be speeding up the process folks um let's get to these uh jokes the roast of the young bucks Cornette hates the Bucks because he misheard their theme song, Super Cuck Party. Goddamn! To be fair, if the Bucks barfed while fucking Jim's wife, it would be the first time they sold something. Their matches are a roller coaster, which is ironic because they're not tall enough to ride one. Nick Jackson got knocked out by Punk, which is like striking out with Sonny. They stay off the internet because they have enough spam in their finishes. I'll watch their sex tape, but only if Brandon Cutler is forced to film it. Why does Brandon Cutler wear a face mask? Because Dante Martin's a squirter. I guess they're fucking each other in that joke. I don't know. Don't they bring Dante Martin in? It's a real funny joke if you have to explain it afterwards. Their finishing move is the V-trigger, which is also how doctors refer to the cupcake that killed Viscera. They look like little kids, which is why Marty Skrull likes them. They portrayed Hunter and Sean in a sketch on Raw and in their dreams every night. They went by Generation Me at TNA, but they dropped it because they didn't want to take Punk's gimmick. The Bullet Club is just the Mickey Mouse Club, but nobody gets pussy. They turn their back on AJ Styles, which is the most betrayed AJ's felt since Trump took the vaccine. After Dave Meltzer's dad died, they renamed their finisher the Herbert Meltzer Driver, no joke here, folks. Just want to highlight how Dave's dad being named Herbert makes all the sense in the world. Their wrestling style is monkeys in a trench coat trying to escape the zoo. Cornette thinks they can't draw money, but Trump's re-election campaign disagrees. Since I won't get to do this again, I just have some Papa Buck lookalike jokes. Papa Buck looks like the guy kicked out of hedonism for bringing a harmonica. He looks like an Indian RVD finds in the cupboard. He looks like what would happen if Danny DeVito played Chris Angel. He's what appears when you draw five stars in the mirror of a Wawa. 
He looks like what would happen if Steven Seagal got Benjamin Button disease. Those are my jokes, folks. I really hope uh, Saudi Arabia has no uh, goes off without a hitch because there's a lot of really scary security reports about it. But, you know, I'm just going to stay positive and hopefully it goes out without a hitch. So, all right, folks, hope uh, you enjoyed this episode. It does sound like I'm giving that speech Robert Downey Jr. gives in the second Avengers where he talks about dying in space. It's not that bad. All right. I'll see you guys. I'm going to be hopefully opening for Dan Soder next weekend in Nashville and the weekend after Detroit. So Zanies and Comedy Castle. All right. Later, guys. Hey, what about uh, Conrad? I just thought of this one. Uh, Conrad likes the Young Bucks because he thought when they said change the world, they were going to change his diaper. Does that make any sense? No, that makes less shit. than no sense. Whatever. You know, Robert. it's fine. It's good. I All right, like ready? It. Here's a here's one that's a it's a play on one of yours. Uh, Meltzer driver is Dan's dream job. <laughs> <laughs> Just driving Meltzer around. That's actually All what right. he's doing right now. <laughs> yeah. So can I can I vote in the hall? No. You sure. Like I, I I'll vote whoever you want. Uh, but no. All right, Zach. This is the point in the episode where you're gonna pause this and you're gonna plug in Dan's, Dan's fantastic. Cough. Yeah, yes. Dan's his thirty cough. seconds of Dan coughing into your ear. You'd, Zach has to get a COVID test every time he replays this episode back. Oh, it's but- it's going to be a cough followed by that 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 like stilted burp, and then he bumps into the microphone six times. He's like, does it sound okay? Does it sound okay? I'm sorry, guys. It sounds okay. Hold on, the dogs are barking. Uh, all right, now the 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 roast of the young bucks by Dan Saint Germain. Dan, that was fantastic. Well, I hope wow, Zach, you man. knew to put that right after Dan's thing and i didn't just like blurt it out two seconds later because that would seem disingenuous and that's not us here we uh we respect the young bucks much like jim Cornette respects the young bucks and part of why jim Cornette despises the young bucks is kind of why i'm not the biggest young bucks fans in that i think they really are remarkably talented they have that that ability to kind of put things together in a in a Hardy Boys way, in a Rockers way, but they constantly like to do winky, jokey stuff. And it's not like Cornette thinks that they are bad or that Kenny's bad. To him, it's you're wasting money. And and the next thing we're talking about is our show in hell segment, which comes from 2015, which is the Young Bucks in a wrestling ring, super kicking an eight-year-old. So the setup here is they're at a a, a small indie show. And the, the ring announcer brings somebody in who's who's part of the crew. And he's like, oh, it's my son's birthday. Uh, and, you know, his dream is to take a super kick from the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks come out and they, they wish the kid a happy birthday. They super kick the dad. And then the eight-year-old beats the fuck out of the Young Bucks, kind of like an Adam Cole match. And uh, then it ends <laughs> with the Young Bucks super kicking an eight-year-old. I get that it's kind of like funny and wacky in the sense that like you can hire someone to dress up like Spider-Man for your birthday party, but it feels really like super killing the business that you're, you're selling and then super kicking uh, an eight year old on something that because of YouTube and because this was being filmed is not like it's a small little show and no one's going to see it. Like it's out there for the world to see in 2015 when they've already been 
on TNA in Ring of Honor in in New Japan. Am I being too much of a killjoy? Well, I mean, look, it is it is a way to look at it, right? It's it feels like a moody way to look at it. Another way to look at it, which also feels like maybe a defensive way, but it it has its points, is it shows how good they are at their jobs that they did it and it looked like they kicked a kid in the fucking face, just like it looked like Kenny was wrestling a little girl. Um, There is a skill in that. And to go, I can do that. It is one, it is lawless and it is a bit reckless and it's juvenile, but that's the same reason we love all those other things about them is because someone said, Hey, would you kick a kid? And they went, we could pull that off. That could get some views. That would be funny. It's, it's it's much less of a uh, of a are we disrespecting the business as it is a like uh, God damn this business is so fun and I can see people thinking that means you think fuck the business because the business is work and the work isn't always supposed to be fun. Yeah, I, I think. But it's part, it's yeah. the same thing that that you know. Look, if Michaels wasn't signed to the WWF, like think of the even crazier shit he'd be doing without the 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 confines of uh, the confines of Vince and stuff. And so it is like this reckless young thing that um, trailblazers do. I know that sounds crazy, but it's like you know, it's rock and roll. It's like it, it's it's the fun, dumb, reckless thing to do. And like, is it a was it the right move if it if if they were in a business yes but at the moment they weren't they were in the indies and and the business was having fun if they did it in AEW they better show the kid in the hospital the next week that's all i'm saying right or you do it like they like WWE did this with Connor the Crusher where they had him kind of like have a fake match and he pinned Hunter or whatever it was but they they clearly showed it was all in fun like this went full speed where they super kicked him in the same way that they would super kick a guy in a match. Like it wasn't funny. Like the way they super kicked the dad. Okay. I get it. That he's selling and whatever, but when you're super kicking the kid and the kid sells well, and it looks legit, it really is like, all right, look at how phony and ha ha this all is in the ring. And I think the reason people got annoyed at it is you are screwing with overall livelihoods because this was at a wrestling show where it's like, okay, everything you're seeing is fake. We get it, but you're still suspending disbelief. You're not going to see, you're not going to see a Marvel movie and you're not seeing the wires and the green screen. You're, you want to forget that it's real. This was a bridge too far in that regard. Cause it did look so real and so convincing. Like if it was play fighting, okay, fine. Like I get it. It would have been like kind of cutesy. This was they it looked like they they super kicked the kid and he sold it like he was dead. And, you know, obviously it's all fake. And then you're like, okay, well, everything is super fake. And while we know that the wrestlers never come out and kind of say it, except this week on uh, Dynamite when the Acclaim did that by accident. But Anthony Bowens did that at one point. (laughs) But other than that, uh, it was uh, it, it, it was it's an example of I think something that always kind of irked me about the young bucks where I get, you can do the, the, the winking stuff a little bit, but they go a little too far with that. Uh, also, they, there's something about them that's just very punchable. Like, I just want to hit those guys in the face uh, repeatedly. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I get a sense of that and I'm, I'm a big fan, but yeah, there is something young about their faces and uh, the, 
the you know it's it, it it you know the other cornet argument it isn't just like oh you guys are disrespecting the business it's also like uh do you, are you guys working out like you know like you guys are obviously practicing being wrestlers and practicing cool uh sequences and stuff like that but are you like physically like getting cut so you look like a pro wrestler and uh, i don't know i i don't think you have to and i think they they obviously prove that but yeah i would love every wrestler to look a little tighter and a little stronger just because uh i like my wrestlers to be dead sexy I, there, there's, there's an argument to that. That's usually Dan's argument, but, but there is an argument to that. But at the same time, the guys <laughs> who were more not out of shape, but kind of more like barrel chested and looking like that was because they were legit badasses. Like Cornette will be like, well, Dick the Bruiser didn't have a six pack, but yet he looked like he could beat the fuck out of you. The young bucks look doughy. No, they look like they have baby fat. Yeah, yeah. They, they look doughy. So it's hard to take them seriously when they're in their wrestling as opposed to they're doing this really fun acrobatic show that kind of includes wrestling. Sure. Sure. But I think, uh, you know, that is like, that's one of those arguments that is also kind of died a long time yeah. ago. No, it's the same reason he always but, gets, but on, I like, do, I do, I do hear it from the cornet types and, you know, but you know, I, it's like Sami Zayn doesn't have a six pack and he's the best thing in wrestling. So sure, sure. who cares? And there's guys, not that I'm thinking of anyone in particular who may have main evented a, a, a dynamite this week uh, who have fantastic physiques and watching their matches <laughs> is like watching paint, not even dry, just sit in the can uh, and, and not do anything. So we will pivot now to AEW dynamite or dud this. Usually we go hour by hour, but I'll be honest, the way this show went, we're going segment by segment. Cause there's a lot of, as Conrad would say, there's a lot of meat on the bone. Um, at least I think that's what he's saying. It's a lot of heavy breathing, but uh, yeah, we're going to kind of go through this one here. Cause this is like a, this is like a, a like I hallucinated this episode. Uh, I, I think I texted the group. I'm like, they're, like Tony's not even making it sporting anymore for me to like bury stuff in AEW. And it's just so overt. Uh, Dynamite opens with Darby Allen versus Jay lethal. Um, the, there was the match where you had Sutton Singh. Uh, standing out ringside and Sanjay Dutt. And then the the story was that Lethal was getting information from someone from, from his past, from Darby's past, that was going to help defeat him. And out comes Sting, uh, or a guy in a Sting max, uh, brand new, never before seen in wrestling, that there's a fake Sting, uh, helps Jay Lethal win. Then after they reveal, my God, guys, it's Cole Carter. Are you sitting down for this moment? It was Cole Carter from the factory, which is a wrestler and a faction, apparently, in AEW. But that's not all. There's a bigger reveal. The Sting music hits. Everybody runs. Darby's standing in the ring. And from behind him, I'm not making this up, Jeff Jarrett appears and hits Darby Allen in the head with a guitar to open this week's episode of impact scott what did you think man it was it was really uh okay so i haven't really enjoyed a thing jay lethal's been involved in since he showed up in the company i think maybe he was a part of the owen Heart tournament and i liked the match he was in maybe if i'm remembering correctly uh but otherwise it has not been entertaining i don't know 
I, it's not that I don't know whether to boo or cheer him. It's that I don't care. I just don't want to watch it. And this match had the one moment where Darby jumped out and hit Satnam, and that was a blast. That was very cool. Uh, but otherwise, not something I really wanted to see. And then the Jeff Jarrett surprise is like, dude, nobody gets excited about Jeff Jarrett. And that's been said for the last 15 years. If 15 years ago, I could say nobody gets excited about Jeff Jarrett. I don't know if anybody's ever gotten excited about Jeff Jarrett. And I do understand that his family's done a lot for the business. And I do get that he's done a lot for the business. It, it, it's not on my television. It's not in terms of what I what I'm consuming and enjoying. So whatever he does that's great for the business, let him do it. I don't mind that. Sign Jeff Jarrett if you want to sign Jeff Jarrett. Do not make him someone that's on my television. Not just because it reminds me of TNA. I like TNA enough. It's because he reminds me of a thing in TNA that I would change the channel during. So on paper, the Darby J. Lethal thing, I mean, the storyline makes absolutely no sense. They had the match. They shook hands. Then afterwards, J. Lethal gets mad and attacks him and, and smashes up his ribs or whatever. Lethal is a good mid-card level wrestler. He's not a main eventer, and that's fine. You have a guy on your roster that is reliable in the same way like this could have been Scorpio Sky in that exact role, and I would have probably enjoyed it a little more than, than Lethal. But Darby is a star that they have. He is a WWE dream in some regards because, yes, he's short, but he's this hybrid of Jeff Hardy and Rey Mysterio in that kids want to dress up like him. They love him. His height makes him relatable. He can wrestle in addition to doing the crazy stunts. He can do the sports entertainment stuff. This should have been Darby comes out there. They have a good competitive match. And you remember like, oh, yeah, we love Darby. Like The crowd popped as soon as they saw him. He vanishes for weeks at a time from Dynamite, and then he's on. I like the height thing with him and Sutton Singh. I don't need to see a match. I don't need to see anything further with it. But I don't care about who Cole Carter is. I don't need to see a video package about how those guys, you know, used to hang out in an Arby's parking lot like five years ago or whatever bullshit we're going to get. And then the Jeff Jarrett thing is such a misfire on so many different levels that I, do, I genuinely don't understand what Tony Khan is doing anymore. Like it used to just kind of be like, all right, I can see the logic. It doesn't work. This is a, it, 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 like no one could look at AEW and say, you know what this company is missing? Jeff Jarrett in any capacity. It's been more than 15 years since Jeff Jarrett has not worked. He didn't work in WCW. He didn't work in WWF. He worked when he was, you know, the country singer and that was fine. And then he went away. And then anytime he came back when he was wearing that like Aztec gear, it was like the NWA champion or when he was teaming with Owen, like none of it ever seemed to work. He was a disaster in WCW for the majority of his run, and he never got over. And he was a disaster for the majority of his TNA run. He went back to WWE and still couldn't keep a job, despite the fact that his best friend in the world, Bruce Pritchard, was like the number two executive in the company. Putting him on camera, putting him on camera where he's like, I'm the last outlaw, and now I'm going to be involved in a storyline. Because the payoff for this storyline is – we're going to get Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett versus Darby and Sting. Yeah, you're going to get Sting hopefully sending him to Ring of Honor with Jay Lethal. And then if you want Jeff Jarrett on camera in a cowboy hat, let him do it in Ring of Honor. But this week, you if Darby Allen was on the show, you should have shown highlights of him trick-or-treating from earlier in the week. And like maybe have him show off the candies he got. 
which would have been better than than this. And I, and they signed Jared as like a VP of business development or something, which is even more asinine when you realize the amount of like institutional knowledge and talent that Tony Khan has there between right Malenko disposal. and Arn Anderson and Jim Ross and well, not Shabani. just that, you're rich, like you're loaded and you're from loaded people and you have loaded family friends. Like you don't have to contact a carny. Like and Jarrett, that's the problem. Like Jarrett always feels like a carny. He just feels like a guy that it's super untrustworthy. And because he he's at the carnival. When you go, he is there. That's why he feels like a carny. Well, that's where Karen was uh, at the. She was ripping tickets. Uh, Like, and we love Jeff because he's part of the Ad Free Shows Network, and we love all of the hosts on the Ad Free Shows Network. You're all our, our our brothers and sisters for life, but. Jeff Jarrett is kind of a piece of shit and everybody in wrestling kind of knows it and bringing him in there (laughs) is not going to make any part of this show better or hipper or edgier. Like you're not bringing a lapsed fan back because they want to see Jeff Jarrett. You're not getting a new fan who's excited, like hooked on the show further because, oh, good. Jarrett's here. Uh, No, no, never again. Again, praying it's a ring. Every, every, every misstep I go, Please go into whatever Ring of Honor is supposed to be. Please. Well, th- this entire show felt like it went into the Ring of Honor bucket. Moxley's in the back, and uh, he he cuts a promo about his big upcoming Eliminator match against Lee Moriarty. Um, what the fuck are we doing here, Scott? Like, the next match is John Moxley versus Lee Moriarty. This is not, like... This is not local territory wrestling in the 80s where Flair is going to go to your town and just wrestle a guy and make him. If anything, for me, this makes Moxley always feel lesser than than not. I'm not going to compare him to Roman Reigns because that's not a fair comparison. Roman works a very limited schedule. But most champions are not just I'm having match week after week after week and I'm your world champion when you are, you know, TBS champion or TNT champion is barely defending his title. Yeah, I think I think this is a a way that they think will make everybody cheer for Moxley. You know, he's the guy fighting every week. He's the champion that will show up every week, that is capable of fighting every week. He's not going to get hurt. He's not going to turn his back on the fans. It's like he's everything that not just what Punk wasn't able to do, but this guy MJF, who he better fucking win the title at full gear, right? He's everything MJF won't be if he does get the title. Now, obviously, compelling, the entertaining, like, a yeah, draw, yeah, good yeah. At promos, yeah. These, these matches that are like, you know, it's not like um, when you know, I'll even say like when John Cena was defending the U.S. title once a week, or like if it's someone like like Kenny fighting someone weird, you do literally see them get the best out of somebody. And it's like, oh, they are bringing the best out of someone. Where Moxley is just having a a, a good match with everybody. But you even know, it, worse, he, it's not, not only, it's not Taker versus Hardy. You no, know? but he, not not only that. Like you're not elevating the guy. You're going down to their level. But even worse, he gets jumped after the match by Ethan Page. Ethan Page is like the definition of lower mid card. Oh yeah, that guy still works here, and they're laying out your world champion, and and not MJF. Yeah, and, and and I actually think if they focus more on, like, th- this is MJF's crew and, and not making it like a, this is an eliminator thing, which it's like, oh, I get, okay, because if he beat the champion, of course that would happen. But don't call it that. Like, say Moxley is trying to take out every single person 
that MJF is semi associated, but the other problem is he's not even associated with them anymore. They jumped him right. last week, so it's right. just like because now he's he's a, a fake baby face. Uh, yeah, it's and then confusing in a lot. The dumbest part of this entire match. This is one where I, booking is booking, and that's fine from a production end of stupidity. You don't usher in Lamar Jackson in the middle of a match. You preload when you know that you have someone who's coming to the show. You don't have him walk out there in the middle of the match while on camera because the entire audience stopped paying attention to what was going on. And at first I thought it was MJF because they were chanting MVP, but it sounded like they were chanting MJF. I'm like, oh, good. Max is here. Max, not on this show at all, which was rough. But you you made it seem like, oh, no one gives a fuck about the world champion. We're more excited to see, you know, the the obvious, I mean, rightfully so, your, your star uh, football player showing up. But from a production end, like, think that through. And how that looks on TV, you're not – I don't know. Uh, sure, sure. Next up was uh, Soraya in a pre-tape interview with Renee Paquette. Uh, they had him set up in the arena, again, production-wise, off-center, the way they framed it. But <laughs> this was – Britt didn't show up, which was kind of the exact same thing we had with Lashley and Brock on Raw, uh, which was a little odd. But uh, the, the big thing was Renee being like, okay, so for once and for all, you're back and cleared, right? She's like, well, I still have to talk to one more doctor. Yeah, and then that was cute. how it ended. Yeah, but that's <laughs> cute. She's got she's to gotta talk to one more doctor talking about, you know, Brit, Dr. Britt Baker. Yeah, I, I get that that most likely is it, but it just felt kind of like, we, is she back? Is no, she sure. not back? It, Give her a Z-pack, let her go wrestle. It felt a little flat. Yeah, it felt flat for sure. Uh, uh, Regal then, then cuts a promo uh, uh, on about MJF, and he seems to be more invested in this feud than Moxley is. So, you know, again, we said it before, like, we really want to see Regal and MJF. We really don't give a shit about Moxley and uh, MJF. Yeah, I do think we care about MJF winning that title, though. And I, some people care about Moxley retaining it, I guess. I'm, I'm you know, Renee, maybe. Just keep him <laughs> out of the house more. Uh, next up, we get the acclaimed coming out for Billy Gunn's birthday party as they continue our nostalgia trip through the Attitude Era uh, with segments that are goofy and weird, but still kind of fun. Uh, they they felt loose. The acclaimed uh, had a, a, a table with, with some gifts for Billy Gunn, who had his hands mangled with pliers by Shane Strickland. Let's just not talk about that nonsense but uh they they were pulling signs from the crowd like they were having a good time and then they they had paperwork drawn up so that billy could legally adopt them which brings out the gun club the gun club are are drawing back and forth with the acclaimed when the acclaimed and billy gun get jumped by morrissey because that's what the crowd wanted to see is more morrissey uh then this gets broken up by ftr there's like 15 things going on in one segment, but I thought it started out fun and then kind of was a little muddied and messy, like most Attitude Era segments. Yeah, I actually loved this. This was this the the tag team scene uh, on this episode might be it's not my favorite part of the episode, but it's it would have been if there wasn't one other moment. The I loved what they did with with every team. FTR looked like gold and acknowledging that yes, they will be back for them. Uh, made me really happy. Honestly, I think they should do a four-way at the pay-per-view with the Ass Boys, the Acclaimed, um, Swerve, and Keith, and FDR, but, you know, whatever. 
uh, it was just a lot of fun. And the segment later on with Rick Ross, I, I thought was huge for Swerve yeah. and, and the tag division. What, what they did with every guy this week in the tag scene, uh, I just loved. Yeah, loved, loved, loved. It, it felt fun. Uh, I, I, I think we've, we've talked about it before, and we'll talk it again later in the show. Like when moments feel genuine and fun, and I think seeing the joy of the acclaim, just seeing people bringing those signs and that little kid doing the scissoring with them, like that's a cool moment for that kid that he's not going to forget. And it makes them look like bigger stars than they, they kind of are to some degree because there, there is this invisible wall sometimes where they don't interact with the audience, but like reading out fan signs and all that, it was, it was cool interaction. Uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hader in the back. They, uh, they talk about how, you know, Hey, we're going to get interviewed on our own time and that we want a tag match to give rampage a reason to exist. I'm sure you're, you're, you're chomping at the bit. Uh, and then next up, Chris Jericho defends the ring of honor world title in an open challenge match. And, his opponent, Colt Cabana. So just to continue to recap, had CM Punk and everyone sat down and discussed business, this would be a billion-dollar angle where you could have done this match and Punk could have come out and attacked Colt Cabana, and now you got these guys fighting at full gear, and then you want to see Punk against the Bucks and Kenny, and everyone's going to make a shitload of money. Instead, they wanted to telegraph, yeah, CM Punk is long gone, uh, and we're going to get a Chris Jericho-Colt Cabana match that was... It happened on TV, and and un- and unlike uh, esteemed guest Nick Hausman, uh, we hold no ill will towards Cole Cabana, friend of the show. But that moment where they both fell off the top rope and I thought they were going to oh, both yeah. break their necks was. Yeah. Uh, uh, what'd you think of this, Scott? I love Colt getting a crap. Uh, the, the reaction he got and the cheers that he got. They they you know they lasted throughout the match and uh, the entrance was very sweet. Uh, I do think though that because of all the drama, it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to see. I don't mean like, oh, hold Colt off of TV. But what I mean is, is when you put Colt out there, you, you're you either con- either trying to confirm or lying about it or actually confirming that CM Punk did banish him away when he came. And now that Punk's gone, we can finally let him be here. And that's a really nice story. But it's also a story of like, Tony, what the fuck? You made a guy go away because you were afraid of another guy? You're, you run the ship. Yeah. So it the whole story isn't something to like put out there in like a fuck punk way. Cause it's embarrassing for everybody. And so like, like if, if you're going to acknowledge it, make it like a fuck us or like a fuck the fans and like really go for it in a wrestling way. But I thought the, whatever this wink was, I thought it, it, it could be perceived too much as petty. Um, well, look, at the same time, I understand that Colt didn't do shit and was, at least for the last few months, does not have seemed to have done anything that made him deserve, you know, to get called out and his bank account with his mother brought up in a way that's negative and dragged the way he did. And then people are all of a sudden picking sides when he was just at home picking his ass, you know, um, so he deserves love. But there is that thing of like uh, drama. Oh, drama. 
And drama oh, no, this is was, fucking lame. This was, it was clearly petty. That's why they kept it a surprise. If it wasn't a surprise, Colt Cabana, if those of you who are not super initiated with it, can give you the emotional promo. He can give you that story and that moment and this like, do you know what this moment means to me? I'm going out there and challenging for the Ring of Honor World title, a championship I never held and an opportunity to beat one of the greatest of all time, Chris Jericho, and prove that I belong not only in AEW, but as a weekly fixture. I'm going to turn my entire career around in this match. And now you're like, fuck, I really want to see this as opposed to the pop he got was, yeah, we really feel bad for what happened to you with CM Punk. So yay. Uh, after the match, Jericho goes to attack Ian Riccoboni. Uh, I think I pronounced that right. I don't really care if I didn't. Um, no, I think and then Riccoboni. the, uh, and then Claudio and Brian and Yuta all come out to save them. And that's the only time we see those guys tonight. And I thought, oh, it must be because they're taping Rampage. But Rampage is live on Friday. So you flew Danielson and Claudio and Yuta to TV for a three-and-a-half-second pull-apart brawl. Cool. Um, and, to tra- and to train. To train the gang earlier and, in the day. And to train. And and to... Uh, and to, to film cool training... Vig- vi- how do you say it? Vignettes. Vignettes. Yes. Vignet- vignettes. 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 Uh, <laughs> We got a a death triangle promo in the back with Pac uh, talking about how Ray Phoenix needs to use the hammer, which which would be a great dramatic moment, except it's Luchasaurus versus Orange Cassidy versus Ray Phoenix in a match with no fucking disqualifications. So there is literally no drama whatsoever. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, in the end, Ray Phoenix has the chance to use the hammer. He doesn't. And that's why he loses in a match where a hammer is as legal as a hammerlock, making him look like a fucking dumbass. And Shivani and Taz burying him on commentary for looking like yeah. a dumbass. What the fuck's going on here, Scott? He's a, but he's a good man. That's what you want in wrestling is a good man. Yeah. He doesn't want to be associated with the types who, who attack uh, Paul Pelosi, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly that was that was probably where Bob not was. not a mexican no you can't do that this week you can't hit anybody with a hammer and 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 not be from this country you know but um i love this the match can we talk about the, ma- oh, I mean, yeah. the match we, we, was it's, it's, so fun the, right, the hammer dude? was dumb match was a fucking blast and the shibata now the shibata is my highlight p- potentially my high spot of the week um top five favorite breads easily <laughs> Man, it was just so cool to to see him come out, make the save, and accept the challenge because he's someone again who, like, you know, we did not know was going to be wrestling at all. And I think he's only wrestled once, what at Wrestle Kingdom against like Ren Narita or something. He competed then, at uh, at Forbidden Door. Well, Forbidden Door, yeah, yeah, but um, well, no, but not he just did like a segment. He was right? at Forbidden Door. I don't know. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they made he a point of saying Cassidy's he saved, glasses, he saved Orange so, Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, and so I'm really interested in the match. That was the surprise to me. That's there was like a few different surprises, and I think the one negative is none of them felt as big as like the elite returning, even though I don't think they should have yet. Anyway, um. Or like a random punk moment that people somehow thought could possibly happen or a new person or even like an Adam Cole return and a Kyle O'Reilly return. Um, maybe they, they could have saved the Mar- Marina Shafir match and, and made like a new sort we'll of get, we'll get to that. era. Oh, we'll, but, um, we'll get to that. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it was a surprise. I mean, Shibata. Yeah, I love this moment, man. As a New Japan fan, man, this was just so damn cool, and I'm very excited. And, you know, the uh, it, it also it felt like another. if you want to go this way, Robert, you'll believe this. This was Tony Khan's response to the WWE letting Shinsuke fight the great Muda um, in, at Pro Wrestling Noah January 1st. This was like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to have Shibata wrestle, which is a bigger deal for Japan, current Japanese wrestling fans, but I don't think it it means as much or sounds as big as the great Muda wrestling Shinsuke Nakamura in Japan. And I know we're going to get these AEW matches at Wrestle Kingdom a few days later in January, but uh, that was a really big moment this week. So I was going to talk about the Nakamura thing in a little bit, but yeah, I'm just going to yeah, touch on it right response. now. Yeah, yeah. That is a far bigger story than than a lot, simply because this was Hunter basically saying, we are willing to let our talent go out and have some of these matches outside of the confines of WWE. We've talked about this before of like, if Danielson had the ability to go wrestle elsewhere for some one-offs, he would have stayed in WWE. And Vince said, no, this is Hunter signaling to those guys. Like, look, if you come back and you have a compelling thing you want to do, we'll let you do it. It also makes Nakamura feel like, a bigger star than he has on WWE TV because he is going to wrestle Muda. And I think this is part of a larger opportunity of build some goodwill. I say induct Muda into the hall of fame next year because you've got the footage. And then the next time you do a tour of Japan, Muda's there and he's, you know, he comes out and he guest refs or whatever it is. Can't hurt. And it'll be a good match. And it's a good little, Hey, there's a changing in the garden. WWE. Sure, Shibata being was, here, sorry, I mean, it's, I was going to finish my point. At least is driving people to, hey, you should tune into Rampage. We have another TV show that actually matters once every couple months. Sure, sure. And it's from what, like Asbury Park? Damn, I should just go. Or is it's, it from Atlantic City? It's, it's in the boardwalk in Atlantic City. Damn, and, I should uh, just Tyson's going to be there. Oh, I can't go then. Yeah, no, I was going to say, you, you still got <laughs> I got your, kids, man. <laughs> say you still got beat. Actually, I, I, I haven't seen Tyson since I worked one of his boxing matches. But uh, oh, God. he got he lost to Danny Williams, um, but whatever. And uh, Jungle Boy attacking Luchasaurus to keep that feud going. So a lot of stuff packed into this match. Sure. Uh, yeah, it, it I think it, it was successful. Then we get the swerve with Rick Ross in the back. Uh, nice celebrity use. Nice reestablishing that swerve is a multi hyphenate uh, as a wrestler and a recording artist and a former wrestle roast panelist. Uh, and then Keith Lee coming out there and being like, hey, I went back and watched our matches and realized, you know, you're a heel. He's like, no, 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 we're all good. Now we're going to be in an eight-man tag on on Rampage. Like, great. Like, And Rick Ross was having a blast as part of this segment. Uh, well, and I, I like, like the whole, like, who was helping you film? Do you think yeah. it was Rick? Do you think it's another person now? Or I, I'm, uh, I, I don't know, but I, I'm I, intrigued. I, I liked it, but I think the only downside is Rick Ross is so much more charismatic than Keith Lee. Like, it just makes Keith seem so... Oh, dude, what if they have Keith come, like, Rick Ross come out as Keith uh, at full gear? That'll and the crowd Jim doesn't Ross. notice for, like, yeah. four minutes. Yeah. Like, the announcers won't won't know. Maybe Excalibur. He'll, he'll start rattling off... Uh... Well, if you notice the, uh, the 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 next size is slightly different. Uh, <laughs> next up, a main event anywhere in the world. 
we will never criticize this match because I saw what happened on Twitter to that one guy who criticized this match. Uh, that guy got, do you see that? How that dude got just absolutely well, decimated. because he's been criticized JD from New York. Right. So I guess he, he's been kind of shitting on which you have every right to shit on any, yeah, whatever you he... want to do. Right. But I guess Jade like made a comment back a few days ago and then Britt Baker commented on it and a few other women and they kind of knocked his ass out on Twitter beat him up and he got very angry about yes. it and you know he's like oh this guy from new york who he's mad about the, the, you know you gotta work like the e or whatever i don't know he's like vince russo light or something and oh. um but then what happens is you have this match that's the part so it's the like... guy gets to go ha ha and yeah. then I don't know what happened today. I missed today, but I heard he went crazy today. I haven't looked on, today. On but, uh, I don't mean crazy like he went insane. I meant like I heard he's very happy that the match wasn't good. I so guess. a match that we are very excited about that we love and respect that happened at 930 on a pure coincidence and not the Tony Conja six all of his wins matches at 930. Jade Cargill took on Marina Shafir in a fine Brother, athletic he, contest. Mind, I'm not say it. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero came out to do commentary over the PA system. Uh, during this match to enhance it even more. Uh, this may be my match of the year. Uh, it was it was fantastic across the board. Super excited to see where the division is going. Great use of women's wrestling. Great use of TV time on TNT. Uh, far better than putting like you know a Ricky Starks or a Miro on television, uh, or God forbid any of the other women in the division who don't get the opportunity to be featured on here, like you know Willow Nightingale, who's gotten herself over tremendously. Uh, but no, Jade Cargill. It's not even versus- a good use of Vicky's voice. Her voice should be re- reflecting missiles in the Ukraine right now. And Nyla Rose on Twitter tends to be very funny, and this was. This was just not it across the board. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't translate to the stage game. Yeah, but you could. I mean, <clears throat> you saw this match. Like they, it's like they put this on there to bait people, and it worked. Yeah, this was uh, this was a bummer. I, and I love Jade. I really do. And I think there is a way to use her that is awesome. And when it happens, it's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, it, it does not happen a lot. But I think she's great, and I think she's great on Twitter too. But yeah, uh, we get a uh, a House of Black vignette. So uh, Malachi Black unable to escape the clutches of Tony Khan, but we get a super spooky post Halloween video. Uh, that uh, good news, guys. House of Black coming back, whether they like it or not. What'd you think of this one, Scott? Uh, yeah, they they at least this time I think they're gonna feel undead. You know, like I, they're going to feel lifeless. Maybe that's another way to say it. No, I'm actually pumped. I think um, when people get talking online, whether it's negative or positive, whatever it is, whether it's true or not true, it does shake you up a little bit, no matter what, in a positive way. And I think they're going to deliver uh, so long as Tony Khan lets compelling shit happen and doesn't just throw them around wherever, whenever, rampage it. 10 40 i can't wait to see them in best friends feud for like six months <laughs> again and there's a way to do that it's just well, no, there is but there's suck, you know? uh, exactly they, they haven't they done could it figure that out yes yeah yeah um there's something i also i like they did this uh tony storm jamie hater video package that was showing them like how they were friends in the uk and showed like still footage of the- 
I like that personal element to it to tell that story a lot more than I did the Marina Shafir Jade Cargill version of telling a story. And it's a match I want to see. It's a match the audience really wants to see for the coveted interim women's (laughs) title. Uh, And then uh, that was it. There was no main event. That was the end of the show and everyone went home happy. Oh, wait, no, wait, sorry. Uh, Samoa Joe defended the Ring of Honor television title against Brian Cage. This was the main event of AEW Dynamite on uh, TBS. And uh, afterwards, uh, Joe retained by making Brian Cage tap out clean. So the feud is over. Oh, wait, no. Uh, The gates of who gives a fuck came out to go attack Joe. And then Wardlow made the save. And then Wardlow got laid out by Hobbs, hopefully erasing everything about Ring of Honor we just saw. Yeah. I actually think the real problem with this match is just that it was the main event. Um, if this was anywhere else on the show, if this was at nine o'clock, if yeah. this was at eight 30, I'd be happy with every single beat of this. I think, you know, I do think Joe could be used way better, um, especially on the mic. Cause he's a monster on the mic, even on commentary. But, um, but I like him having a match. I like him having a match with Brian Cage. It's just when this is the end of your show and when you are told, you know, this whole Brian Alvarez thing yesterday of like, I was told something big's going to happen and we get like multiple surprises and yet none of them felt like the surprise. Oh, it was Jared. Oh, oh I, oh, oh, see, like, yeah, I think the, when they said I big think surprise, it was they basically, so they no, said it was going to be something cult, though, everyone too. was going to be talking about. It was cold. And, and, and it, I don't think as many people talked about it as they thought, but n- no, I, none of it. And then really... Shibata for fans like me, but I think you had these moments and then everybody was kind of hanging on like, wait, how do the elite fit into the end of this show? Or how does a new guy fit into the end of the show? And then when it didn't, and then when it was Hobbs, you were like, oh, okay. And also you're kind of, you know, your brain is kind of preset to, look at a thing like this and go, oh, Rampage match, not not the end of Dynamite. It, it was fine. It was competent. It just wasn't uh, It wasn't a big, big end to a show. And I think it should have been. And I love Hobbs. And yep. I'm excited for Hobbs. But I also don't even know if the guys that should be fighting because I want both of them to keep winning. And uh, But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. It was also weird that like Brian Cage was super excited to see Hobbs when I'm like, weren't they feuding and they hate each other? I don't know. That's on me for trying to remember stuff. Uh, I gotta I gotta not do that going forward. But uh, we are now at the time in the show where it is high spot, low spot. Scott, what was your high spot of the week? So I think my high spot is uh, like well, I can't. It can't be a handful of things. The Muda. Uh, Shinsuke thing is is huge for me. The Shibata thing is huge for me. Having a New Japan show on the 5th, uh, which is what? Tomorrow? Yeah, right? For the listeners, it's tomorrow. That actually has stakes and FTR is going to be there. So FTR film Dynamite and it's now flying to Japan. They'll be wrestling. Um, Will Ospreay will be wrestling Naito. And if Kenny... If there is a chance of him showing up in New Japan, it might even happen on Saturday. I'm not saying it's going to, but it could. And so Japanese wrestling kind of feeling like, like, oh, wow, they're letting people over there. And it, it, they don't have to wait two weeks and then do a thing and then wait another two weeks. It's like, oh, it's things are flowing. Things are happening. Let's see more of this. And so that's my high spot. Low spot. Low spot? Yeah. 
Jeff Jarrett, man. I don't know. And not even just because like, oh, I think Jeff Jarrett isn't appealing, which I don't think he's appealing or, or entertain. I don't think Jeff Jarrett's entertaining, dude. I'm sorry, I don't. But it's also like when people are knocking this company for the first time ever, like on a on a grander scale where it's like people are like going a little harder than usual. And after this whole media scrum thing and the mess that was your world title scene since double or nothing right since punk won it and then uh the lack of interest by so many fans and then the fight and all this stuff and then it's like you, you want to see cool shit happen on television and then when you bring a guy like jeff jarrett in it does not feel like cool shit it feels like bad business and and wrestling fans know that or they at least identify jeff jarrett as that not great business and so it's not exciting for them AEW fans are pro wrestling fans so we do know who jeff jarrett is uh and we think he stinks <laughs> right couldn't have, couldn't have said it better myself okay um, that's my low spot my, my my low spot first is the uh we're, we're we're taping this thursday night it'll be out friday there are all those rumors about potential incidents happening in saudi arabia as they're going over there for crown jewel that iran is potentially planning on something going on in the country at that point in time it's it's really unfortunate you want to be able to have these big global events and regardless of my personal thoughts on it i think it's it's a good opportunity for you know wwe to expand their global brand and and just for people to feel like all right we can go into different places and 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 have these sort of events those fans and then as iran's like nope fuck you we're gonna make everything super uncomfortable wait (laughs) what if instead of canceling the show saudi arabia is like don't send anybody but Sami Zayn. <laughs> exactly. Um, they're they're going to do it at the uh, in the in the Saudi Thunderdome. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic. It's just it's an. I'm excited for the show though, and I'm worried as well. Obviously. Yeah, I, I I think if they follow protocols, okay. It's just a it's a a blot on it. And then my high spot, I have two high spots, both to the same theme of it's great to see wrestlers having fun. The first is there was this little clip at a house show where Rhea Ripley was down and selling and then just reached under the barricade and untied someone's shoe, which is the best heel move ever. Uh, And last Friday on SmackDown, and we talked about it on the Patreon, the, uh, the Sami Zayn Usi segment where he was doing everything he could to try to make Jey Uso break and how loose it felt, how fun it felt, how essential that segment felt so much so that like, Mike went out of his way to watch it and talked about it on the Undertaker roast. Uh, you know, Scott, Dan, and I all did. It's the kind of spontaneous fun in wrestling that makes you enjoy being a fan. And I, I absolutely loved it. It was it was a great high spot and a good reminder of why wrestling is the one true art form. Uh, Scott, what do you want to plug? Ooh, this podcast, this podcast, Patreon. We just roasted the Undertaker and other shit, and then my other podcast. Sorry, we had a momentary glitch there. Scott was doing his uh, his plugs, and all of a sudden the recording just stopped for a second. So the ghost of Dan's technical glitches uh, appeared here. Uh, I will do Dan's plugs on his behalf. Dan is is on the road. He is doing stand-up comedy all over this great nation, and he was doing a Southern tour as well. Uh, you can find it on Dan's website. Uh, we will post a link to it on the uh, Facebook group. Good plug for the Facebook group. Come on out and, and, and see... Uh, 
we we post stuff for for Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite. There's always people on there talking and posting all kinds of fun stuff. It's a it's a good decent place for you to go hang out as a wrestling fan, not deal with a lot of nonsense and bullshit. You can follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish. Uh, so uh, on behalf of Scott, Mike, Dan, Zach, and all of us here at WrestleRoast, best of luck in your future endeavors. And Scott, since Zach is not here, what do you want to tell the fine people to do? Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Do, do.